Full 10 Yards Podcast. Yes, welcome in everyone. This is the Full 10 Yards Podcast, NFL edition. It's your preview show for what will be week eight in the National Football League. I'll be your host once again this evening. It's Sean from the NFL branch, and I'm not joined by my two regular co-hosts this week. Tim is in the process of moving house, so he's a very busy man. And Lawrence, I'm afraid to say, is still on the IR. Hopefully, he will be designated to return next week. So as a Brucey bonus um, for an, an additional podcast this week, I'm joined by... Adam, who's normally between your ears on a weekend with all your betting tips, but Adam's going to join me to go through the week eight action. So, Adam, welcome you in. How are you, my friend? Um, pretty good, thank you, Sean. Yeah, uh, wife's been a bit ill this week, so if I'm coughing and spluttering a bit, I'll try and mute it. But other than that, really good. Very busy. Um, got the Wembley game this weekend, so I'm trying to get everything out of the way before that. But I'll talk about that when um, I get to the Rams preview in a bit. But yeah, other than that, really good. Excellent, mate, and appreciate you joining me. Uh, things never stop for us here at the full 10 yards or over with Adam at Touchdown Tips. We want to get you bang up to speed with everything that's going on in the NFL and get you ready for what promises to be yet another great week of action. So without further ado, let's get into the meat of this podcast and let's go for first down. First down. Okay, as usual, before we can get into week eight, let's close out week seven. And the only game that we didn't cover off for you on Monday was, of course, the Monday night football, which this week saw the Patriots travel across to the Jets. And it will obviously be of no surprise to anyone that the Patriots do move indeed to 7-0 and as they take out the Jets by a score of 33-0. to Yet another shutout for that brilliant Patriots defence. Uh, yes, they are 7-0, and but just a word of caution to the Patriots fans out there. Their opponents moved to a combined record of 12-32, and which is absolutely unbelievable for a seven-game stretch. And if you actually take the Buffalo Bills out of that, which are their only opponents that had a winning record, the other six actually are a combined 7-31. and Take nothing away from them. You can only beat what's in front of you, but it's safe to say it has been the softest of all soft schedules. Uh, the defence, once again, was the star on Monday night. A further four interceptions and two fumble recoveries. Possibly the biggest surprise is that that defence didn't actually record a touchdown itself. Um, it was Sony Michelle doing that most of the night. Three touchdowns. But again, this offence, you know, don't let that scoreline fool you. It did struggle once again to move the ball with any consistency. Michelle was held to just 42 yards on 19 rushing attempts. And it was Philip Dorsey who caught the one touchdown pass that Tom Brady did throw. But the leading receiver on the night for the Patriots, less than 60 yards. So this is an offense that is essentially stuck in first gear. And the defense are really helping them along in a big way. As for the Jets, they dropped to one and five. Probably for them, the less said about this, the better. And obviously Sam Darnold, he was a week early for Halloween. He's been seeing ghosts and hey. we'll talk about that a little bit as we get into the week out preview. Adam, I know you said you didn't watch much of the game, but just uh, your thoughts on this. I don't think it was a surprise to anyone, but again, Patriots dominating. No, I, I thought the Jets would keep it close, to be honest. I thought Darnold would be, well, definitely not as bad as he, he was. I thought he'd be manageable. I had um, a couple of bets on, I had Crowder over four and a half receptions. He had four, but when the quarterback only throws 
11 um, completions in the night. That, that's still a pretty pretty decent task for uh, for Crowder at the end of the night. Um, yeah, the, obviously, like you said, they can only beat what's in front of them, but it has been ridiculous. And even the games where you think they might have had a little bit more of a test have been against backup quarterbacks. It's just been so, so ridiculous. The only way they could have had it any easier was facing the Bengals, and they haven't done that yet. But uh, we'll see what happens when that comes around. Yeah, the um, like you said, Sam Darnold admitting he was seeing ghosts. Um, I, I think he'll bounce back. I think he'll be all right. He seems young enough and confident enough that he'll just kind of wipe this one out of the way, except that it's against a possibly the best uh, best defense in 35 years. Then, yeah, I think he'll move on. It, it will be interesting to see how they go against a proper team. And I don't know whether they're going to get that this weekend. You'll uh, You'll know that one better than me. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that one later, my friend. I know exactly yeah. where you're coming from. Um, I mentioned there about this offense being stuck in first gear, and that leads us nicely into a few bits and pieces of news that have dropped since this, um, since the Monday edition of the podcast. And the New England Patriots did make a bit of noise this week. They have traded for Mohamed Sanu from the Atlanta Falcons. Big price to pay here, I would suggest, a second-round pick for a wide receiver that has traditionally been the number two wherever he's been, but he moves across to New England. In a corresponding move, Josh Gordon, he's on to the injured reserve list. He's also likely to be waived, question marks, if there's anything potentially happening there. And another wide receiver that has made a move this week is Emmanuel Sanders. He's got a lovely little trade for himself. He's joined the 6-0 San Francisco 49ers. Um, again, price for this one, a third and a fourth, but the um, the Niners do get a fifth back in that as well. Um, so two wide receivers that have ended up in very, very favourable situations there, Adam. Um, just your thoughts on those two wide receiver trades? Um, both, I think they're both good for all teams involved, to be honest. Uh, like you said, it was quite a quite a, charm, a price to pay for Sanu, but he's the perfect fit for the um, for the Patriots, and they tried to apparently get him before the draft for a second so I think they've just gone back to the well with that but he's he's a talented receiver he's had the best um, year of his Falcons career last year over 800 yards he should fit in very nicely there um, so that one's definitely a good one and then Shanahan I think should be happy with Sanders I believe he worked with him before um, I think I think he was at, I've got him at he was at Washington but then I'm arguing with myself on that but I believe um Shanahan has coached him before and he's definitely a fairly talented guy and coming back from the injury he had at the age of 32 he had a really good start to the season he should be able to fit in fairly nicely there and the wide receiver core is the only thing that they've really been struggling with this year I mean they can run the ball they love running the ball but they're looking for that one reliable wide receiver which has been a bit of a struggle for them so I wouldn't be surprised if he slots straight in and um, starts off as the main guy. Yeah, certainly agree with that. I think good moves for all involved. Like I said, I think the compensation, pretty good across the board. And obviously the players should improve the rosters that they've headed to. Talking about those, some questionable compensation. One that I think has surprised everyone is another trade. That's Quandre Diggs from the Lions. Not only Quandre Diggs, but also a seventh round draft pick. And all it's cost the Seattle Seahawks in return is a fifth rounder. And the other defensive back on the move this week is a former first round talent, Gary and Conley out of the Oakland Raiders, across to the Houston Texans, third round of the compensation there. Adam, we were talking just before we started recording this podcast, and, and you said that um, from 
people you've been listening to and talking to today, you think there might be a little bit that's gone on behind the scenes here with Quandre Diggs? Yeah, supposedly um, he's either getting upset with the system or doesn't fit the system. And uh, Patricia obviously is a Belichick disciple. So I think he's just gone, well, if you don't like it, we'll get rid of you. So it seems weird because a few of his um, former teammates have been piping up. Um, with shocked expressions and shocked faces on Twitter. So they obviously weren't really expecting anything like that to happen. He's obviously been a fairly decent player. I mean, I'm not exactly an expert on defensive players, but Quandre Diggs is someone I've actually heard of. So for me to have heard of him means that he must have been decent at some time. Um, So yeah, it seems like they've basically got him for free, the Seahawks. So they definitely can't be complaining at all. No, I completely agree. And when you think about those draft pick swaps, it's likely to not be a huge amount of positions in the draft. If anything, these picks normally get packaged up to move around. So essentially, like you say, a bit of a freebie there for Seattle. Just a couple of other bits of news to keep you up to speed. I mentioned about the Gary and Conley trade. Part of that will be to do with the fact that Philip Gaines, one of the corners for the Texans, hit IR this week. Um, as did Carryon Johnson, which is a little bit more notable. He obviously was the starting running back for the Detroit Lions. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they get that ground game going with him out for the rest of the season. And talking about running backs, I'm afraid now love for those NFL UK darlings, Jay Ajoy and Christian Wade, not signed this week by the Cardinals. They have instead picked up Alfred Morris and Zach Zenner. Um, so probably not just bad news for those UK running backs I mentioned, but also for David Johnson, certainly injury concerns. It seems to have played him now for the last couple of years, obviously outproduced by Chase Edmonds, as we discussed on Monday's review pod. And now he's got further competition in the backfield. So not great news, I'm afraid, for David Johnson and his fans okay. there. No, they always, um, so they, always, they always say, don't listen to what the teams are saying. Look at what they're doing. And if you're picking up two running backs in the week, you clearly don't have that much confidence in David Johnson being able to carry on for at least a week or two. So, yeah, it's a big worry for anyone who's drafted him this year. Yeah, absolutely. He ruined my season, not last year, the year before. I took him number one overall and he went down in the first game of that season. He was having a great game as well, wasn't he? He was indeed. I thought, yeah, I've nailed this first pick and then it all unraveled fairly quickly. Right, that will get you up to speed with where we are in terms of the news and what we need to do before we move on to week eight, of course, is test someone's knowledge. It's everyone's favourite quiz. It's the full 10 questions as we move to second down. Second down. Yes, everyone, it's that time of week. Get your pens and papers ready. It's time to play along with the full 10 questions. And I'm delighted this week to welcome in another member of the full 10 yards family. I'm joined by Lee from over in the college branch. So, Lee, how are you, my friend? Yeah, very good, Sean. Very good. Uh, how are you? I'm doing well, mate. Question is, is your NFL knowledge as good as your college knowledge? Yeah, it should be. Um, I, I was just saying to you before we came on that I usually obviously listen to podcasts and play along at home kind of thing, and I do quite well in most weeks. But last time I actually came on here, I got fourth. It might be three, actually, so not great. So when the pressure's on, I don't know if I crumble. Yeah, I felt that pressure last week, mate. I'm sure you'll do better than three or four this week. Just before we kick into the quiz, mate, just uh, 
Really enjoyed listening to your mid-season mock draft podcast last week. Uh, it seems like you and the boys over there are busy, so just give all of our listeners a bit of a view of what's going on in the college branch of the full 10 yards. Yeah, definitely. Loads, loads going on, obviously. We're a little bit ahead of the NFL season, so we're just over halfway through. Um, we've got loads going on, like I say, through articles. I've got articles coming out. Um, I've got on a new writer for Max as well, um, who's appeared on the podcast. And then, like you say, this week we've had two episodes come out, both, um, well, two parts of the mock draft, first half and second half, that we split over to just to kind of shorten and a bit of a wide side. Yeah. I mean, people always kind of roll their eyes at mid, mid-season mock drafts, it's a bit early. And obviously it is, uh, but it's one of those things where you just get scenarios out there, get people sort of learn about the players, recommending kind of watching players at the moment, and yeah, just getting the names out there, really, for people to watch. And Obviously, college football still has a growing thing over in the UK, so just getting people interested in it, to be honest, getting some names out there, because, you know, draft season, um, especially with teams like me, obviously the Chargers fan season's kind of over now, unfortunately, so we're looking ahead to the draft, and it's uh, you know, good to keep, keep the eye in. No, absolutely, mate. It is, uh, it is some great stuff that's been put out there. I thoroughly enjoy listening to it. I'm not uh, someone that up until this year took an awful lot of interest in college football. You and the boys are doing a great job, so... Look forward to seeing more of that coming our way. We won't keep you in suspense any longer, my friend. I hope you're ready. My stopwatch is primed, so you know the drill. Ten questions against the clock. Play along at home. And here we go with this week's ten questions. So, question one. How many points did Denver score in Thursday night football? Question two. Which match had the widest winning margin? Uh, Patriots Jets. Question three. Which player scored all of the points in the Washington versus San Francisco game? Uh, Robbie Gold. Question four. Which game had the most points in week seven? Which game had the most points? Uh, oh God, why is it? It's like a few days ago and it seems like it was a long time ago. Um, oh my god. I'm totally freezing. Um, <laughs> I just got to go Patriots Jets again. <laughs> totally blind on all the stories. Okay, question five. Let's hope you want this one out. Which player fumbled at the goal line in the Chargers Titans game? Uh, Melvin Gordon. Question, <laughs> question six. Which player scored Atlanta's only touchdown against the Rams? Austin Hooper. Question seven. Name three of the four teams that were on bye in week seven. Uh, the Browns, the Steelers, and the Rams. Question eight. How many touchdowns did Sony Michelle have against the Jets? Three. Question nine. How many receiving yards did Stefan Diggs have versus the Lions? Was it 142 or 124? I'm glad you gave me options. <laughs> I'll go for 142. And last but not least, question 10. Within 10 yards, how many rushing yards did Ezekiel Elliott have for the Cowboys against the Philadelphia Eagles? 20. Oh my god, I've not watched any football this week. <laughs> okay, stop the clock. Two minutes yeah. and 12 seconds was the time. How do you think okay. you've done? Not very well. I did watch a great deal of football this weekend. 
Well, let's let's total them up and let's see. I how reckon everyone I've got maybe maybe four. I think maybe that if that. You think you you're playing to your standard? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> let's see how we get on then. So, question one: How many points did Denver score on Thursday night football? It wasn't fourteen, I'm afraid. It wasn't nowhere near that many. It was just six points. Okay. Question two, the game with the widest ready margin, it was indeed the Patriots against the Jets, 33-point margin for the Patriots. <laughs> Question three, it was Robbie Gould who scored all of the points in the Washington-San Francisco game. Uh, obviously all field goals on that uh, rather wet field. Question four, the game with the most points in week seven, it wasn't the Patriots game. Um, it was actually Minnesota versus Detroit, which had 72 points. Uh, question five, I knew you were going to get this one, and apologies, Tim did write these <laughs> questions, not me. It was obviously Melvin Gordon that fumbled for the Chargers. that for me. <laughs> I knew you were coming on, mate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that one was uh, correct, Melvin Gordon. Question six, the player that scored Atlanta's only touchdown against the Rams was indeed Austin Hooper. Question seven, teams that were on the bye week in week seven, you gave me two correct answers and you gave me one wrong one so the two that were correct were the Browns and the Steelers uh, you said the Rams for your third one the you could have had either the Bucks or the Panthers uh, yeah, I was, yeah. Yeah. so they were the four question eight how many touchdowns did Sony Michelle have against the Jets it was indeed three nice question nine yeah see you didn't do too badly at all my friend yeah question nine receiving yards for Stefan Diggs it was indeed 142 Nice. Yeah, I, had, yeah. yeah I, knew was, I knew it was a really big one. Yeah, he had a, a bit of a monster day. And then the last question, just confirm the number you said. Did you say 120 or 128? I said 120, I think. You said 120. <laughs> well, I will give you the benefit of the doubt, my friend. You will get a point for that one as well, because his actual total was 111, and we wanted that within ah. 10. So, okay. a very, very respectable 7 out of 10, my friend. In yeah, the time. Yeah, I'm, quite, I'm quite pleased with that, because I... Didn't watch a lot of full games this weekend. I was watching a lot of college stuff and I watched the Chargers. And the parents of my moves that I've got on, the Saturday, on Saturday this week. So, yeah, I'm really, really happy actually to get seven for that one. Well, it's a stellar job, mate. When the pressure's on, like I say, I felt it last week. Um, it's amazing how long ago a week does feel. But uh, thanks ever so much <laughs> yeah, for being this week's no, competitor, no, mate. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having us. Um, I'll, I'll drop Tim a message for that Melvin Gordon question. No problem. <laughs> no problem at all, mate. All right, you take care, my friend. Look forward Cheers, to seeing mate. your college stuff coming out. Yeah. Speak to you soon. No worries. Keep doing a good job, you guys, with the NFL pod. Doing a great job as well. Appreciate it. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Apologies for any issues there with the sound quality of Lee's crack at the full 10 questions. Hopefully it hasn't interrupted your listening pleasure too much back at home. And a very respectable 7 out of 10 there from Lee. Certainly an improvement on his last crack at it. Remember, if you want to have a go, please get in touch with us via Twitter. Hit us up in our direct messages and we will get you on for a future week of action. And it's a future week of action we turn our attention to now as we get into this week eight slate to begin our previews as we enter third down. We will start off, as we always do, with our Thursday night football game, which this week sees the Vikings and the Redskins do battle. Adam, over to you. Yeah, do battle probably isn't the uh, right phrase to use for this game. It's probably more of a massacre for the Vikings. They're 17-point favourites. 
it's it's another sinker. We've had some really, really awful games in primetime games. Obviously, Monday night was a bit of a shocker. You've had a couple of the really big spreads so far this season. But yeah, this one is more of a revenge game, apparently. It's the only one who probably needs to take revenge is Case Keenum. He's playing against the Vikings. They obviously jettisoned him after he got them to the championship game a couple of years ago. Um, but uh, AP is going back to Minnesota where he was uh, lighting up in his career there and Cousins is playing against the Redskins. But he doesn't really need to get revenge on them given the fact that he is the $84 million man now, mainly because of them. Uh, the main news in this one is no Adam Thielen. For the Vikings, he did his hamstring, um, catching that early touchdown at the weekend. If it was a Sunday game, he probably would have been back, but he's missing out this week. So it opens up um, a bit of space for Olabissi Johnson, I believe his uh, name is Bissy, is uh, what he's on ESPN. I probably should have just stuck with that. He scored at the weekend, um, and he had uh, five out of six, five out of six receptions? No, sorry, eight, four out of eight receptions for 40 yards. Um, so he should be getting a little bit more action tonight. Um, Stefan Diggs is obviously the one we all expect to step up. He's had some huge games recently. Since him and Thielen had a little bit of a Barney, started complaining about not getting the ball. He's had 462 yards and three touchdowns in the last four games. Um, last week he had 142 yards, um, mainly from a lot of play action, where he was getting massively open downfield and Kirk Cousins was chucking it long to him. Um, the tight ends tonight probably should get a bit more of the ball. Carl Rudolph got his first touchdown of the season at the weekend. And Irv Smith um, had a really good uh, really good game. He's been getting mixed in a little bit more. He had five out of six receptions for 60 yards. Um, so he should get a decent game. Uh, the Redskins, well, AP is dealing with a high ankle sprain and a low ankle sprain. For most players, especially running backs, that would mean that they weren't playing tonight. But he's determined. He says he's going to play. Not sure what that means for him really whether he's going to make it through or whether he'll go down pretty quick they don't really have much else in the running game because Chris Thompson's out with turf toe so it's probably going to be Wendell Smallwood which is uh, not going to put any faith in anyone um, since Bill Callahan took over the reins at the Redskins they've had two games and they've had 55 rushing attempts in those two weeks um, obviously last week was a bit of a misnomer because of the weather it was basically played under underwater but they still had that. Um, the passing game is pretty much Terry McLaurin and not much else. He has been amazing this year. He's had 51 plus yards on and or a touchdown in all of his games, except for last week, which I'm right enough. Um, so he probably will be able to beat the Minnesota defense, which gave up four touchdowns to one player at the weekend with Marvin Jones getting all four. Um, should be a fairly easy Redskins win. I think they'll probably cover the 17 point spread, but yeah, it's it's not one worth staying up for unless you've got money on it. And even then, don't bother. Go to sleep, check in the morning and see what you've won. Yeah, fingers crossed we get a few winners. I agree with you there. I think the Vikings will cover that spread. Um, for me, they are one of the complete teams, as we've discussed on this pod in the last few weeks. Uh, a team that I did think was fairly complete were the Seattle Seahawks. But unfortunately for them, they're fresh off a defeat to the Baltimore Ravens as they travel across to the 1-6 Atlanta Falcons. Um, so Russell Wilson last week, easily his worst game of the season. It's the only game that he's played where his quarterback rating was under 100. And that Baltimore defense did give him plenty of different looks and confused him. He completed less than 50% of his passes. 
The Seahawks, however, still do rank in the top 10 of all major pass categories. And that is a good thing for them this week as they go against a Falcons defence that ranks in the bottom five of all major pass defence categories. Uh, so on paper, at least, a great opportunity here for the Seahawks to bounce back. Uh, the Falcons defence actually very good against the rush. Uh, they're only giving up an average of 68.4 yards per game. I suppose the obvious argument there is if it's that easy to throw the ball against you, why does anybody need to run against you? Uh, But credit where it's due, that side of the unit has been doing well. The Falcons offensively, essentially they need to limit the turnovers. uh, 12 on the year so far. And I'm not sure whether having Matt Sharp is going to improve that or not. You would actually argue it may reduce the amount of interceptions. Probably going to see a little bit more of a dink and dunk type offense with Sharp on the centre. Um, but for me, I think the Seahawks are going to have far too much here. Um, you know, Matt Shobich, in his first game in God knows how long, I joked on Monday, I didn't even realise the guy was still alive. So, good luck to him. Um, hopefully, he can do a bit of something. Um, and talk about a quarterback that needs to show a bit of something. That leads us over to Mitch Trubisky's Bears. Adam, you're going to take us through this one. Yeah, uh, what do you do with the Bears, really? Uh, me and Tim were really high on them missing the playoffs in preseason, and that looks like it's paying off. Um, admittedly, I thought it was because their defense would fall down. I didn't think that their offense would be so incredibly awful. Um, they had a grand total of seven rush attempts at a weekend, which is just ridiculous. I mean, they fell behind quickly, but when you've got Mitchell Trubisky, you do not win a game by making him throw the ball 54 times. They got lucky to score as many as they did. They got two garbage time touchdowns, which obviously you mentioned. The only player really worth looking for on them is Alan Robinson, who's been really good. He gets pretty much all the targets. Admittedly, not all 54, but he got quite a lot of targets at the weekend. Um, yeah, that, that's, to be honest, that's about it from the Bears' side. I'm so so apathetic with them. They're, they're so Blooming, boring and rubbish to watch on offense. It's just Trubisky. He is so, so bad, especially throwing left. The amount of times he throws the ball two yards over receivers' heads is just crazy. Um, the Chargers aren't exactly too reliable either. Since Melvin Gordon returned, they've not won a game. He's averaging a massive two and a half yards per carry. Uh, Austin Eckler was brilliant in the first few games of the season, but now he's been reduced to a minor role. It's just gone downhill for them. Uh, I don't see them changing it either, to be honest. I think they're going to keep getting... Gordon going and try and get him settled into the game. Um, unfortunately, that's messing up Keenan Allen as well. He's had hardly any receptions. He's only had six receptions in two weeks, um, which is a real, real downer on him because he started the season on fire as well. Uh, Hunter Henry's back for them. He's had 197 yards in two weeks and got two touchdowns in his return. Um, I've got to think, I don't know what to think on this one, to be honest. The Bears have generally got a really good home record. Neither of these teams are in really inspiring. So I'm not really sure which way to go on it. Luckily, this isn't the pod where I've got to make picks. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I'd, 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 just, I'd lean towards the Bears just because they're at home, but probably isn't the, uh, the best of games to watch. Uh, one that should be a little bit more entertaining is the Lions versus the Giants. Yeah, both of these teams actually on three-game losing streaks, which you know is a little bit surprising because I, I, I sort of have the Lions down as playing better football than that. But 
facts are facts. They are both on three-game losing streaks here. So, obviously, an opportunity for one of these teams to get back into the win column. Uh, and for the Giants, called it last week, good to get some players back from injury. And, obviously, Saquon Barkley is going to be another week removed from his injury. And, you know, there's no denying it that this essentially is his team. He's still averaging over five yards to carry on the season. And again, he gets a nice matchup here on paper because the Lions are giving up 140 yards a game on the ground. So potentially opportunities here for Saquon to have himself a bit of a day. Uh, again, though, the Lions, similar to what I just said about the Falcons, they need to limit these turnovers. They're leading the league with 18. And you kind of expect that with a rookie quarterback. And Daniel Jones is certainly showing signs of that. Um, he's throwing far too many interceptions. And possibly even more of a concern, he showed this in pre-season, he's got this tendency to fumble the ball. Uh, he's not great in terms of that ball, ball security. And he's going against a Detroit side here that are eighth in the league with takeaways, with 11 of their own. So if the Giants are going to have any opportunity here, you think they need to keep hold of the ball uh, and obviously cash in with Saquon on the ground. Uh, offensively, the Lions, they continue to push the ball downfield. Uh, I called it on Monday. It felt like a very typical Matt Stafford game last week uh, where there was plenty of aerial attack and that's probably going to continue even more so, as I mentioned in the news earlier, with Kerryon Johnson going down and being placed on IR. I don't think we're going to see an awful lot of Ty Johnson and J.D. McKissick. That's essentially the two running backs that are going to have to carry this load. Uh, you know, but they certainly aren't inspiring confidence. So I would look for for Stafford and the receiving core to you know essentially be the ones that shoulder the responsibility. I mentioned last week that the Giants' pass defense isn't great, so it's a good matchup. Uh, and as you said there, Adam, I actually think this could be a game that again involves the Lions and has lots of lead changes. I could sense it being quite high scoring. I'd be interested to see how you break this one down when it comes to your betting podcast at the weekend. And a bit of a spoiler, your podcast the weekend may well be coming in and around Wembley Stadium because that's where you'll be as you go to see your Bengals take on the LA Rams. Yeah, I get the pleasure, probably not the pleasure, I get the um, the anguish of watching my Bengals in person. I went to um, the game three years ago um, when they played the Redskins and it actually was a really good game. It was the only overtime game at, at Wembley that we've had in the International Series so far. That was a really good one to watch. Uh, this one could really be a bloodbath on the streets of the capital. The Rams should be able to run, walk, stroll, pass, do whatever they want against the Bengals' defence, which has been pretty awful so far. Uh, it could be a game for Tug Early to finally get right. He's not been as great as he normally is. He's still been putting up decent numbers, but mainly just through touchdowns. Uh, the Bengals have conceded the most rush yards of any team this season, so it's good for Gurley, probably good for Darrell Henderson, and possibly even Malcolm Brown, who I think is back for this one as well. Their passing game normally runs through Cooper Cup, uh, Robert Woods in the short game, and then Brandon Cooks as the long deep threat. Cooks has not really had the best of seasons so far. Um, Cup has been the one getting all the touchdowns, but surprisingly at the weekend, none of them scored. It was... Um, Gerald Everett, the tight end, who has been getting increasingly targeted in the short game. It's probably due to Gurley not getting the um, the targets, but he's definitely one to have a, a look for in fantasy as well. Uh, the Bengals, Dalton was awful at the weekend. He had time to throw for once. He was not getting pressured. But much like Darnold, I think he's been seeing ghosts. And it's no surprise because he gets battered so much that he was throwing behind over everywhere. 
he wasn't helped because there was a lot of drops for the weekend. Tyler Boyd had at least two that I can remember. He has been highly targeted in every game, though. Um, so I'd imagine he'll be the main man again. It looks like AJ Green is not going to play for us until after the trade deadline, which is after this weekend. So unfortunately for Bengals fans who wanted to see the best player they've got, it's a bit annoying. Um, but Alex Erickson has been average. He had a very big game at the weekend. Um, I think it was eight catches for 100 plus. Uh, Auden Tate has actually looked really good. He made a couple of weeks back, he made five highlight reel pa- uh, catches all in one game. Some brilliant, brilliant catches. And it'll be good to see him in the flesh. He's, he's not the quickest, but he's pretty damn big. Uh, the, the main problem for the Bengals is they've got no run game at all. Uh, at the weekend, Joe Mixon got a touchdown, but that was about it. Him and Gio Bernard combined for a grand total of two yards rushing from 14 attempts. Um, it's just it's so painful watching them. There seems to be no real scheme. seems to be no real commitment to the run. It's just incredibly painful. And Joe Mixon, as much as I like him, I think he's one of the better running backs in the league. They're not using him in the fourth quarter because we're trailing. I think they just need to go two tight end sets, three tight end sets because we've got three of them on the roster. doesn't matter if everyone knows what you're doing. Just carry on doing it. The season's dead. At least try and get the run game going. At least try and please the best player that you've got remaining on the pitch. It's, yeah, it's just an incredibly incredibly painful thing to watch and Aaron Donald could well smash it up up front much like the Saxonville Jaguars generally do. They do indeed and this is a team that has got a reliable running back who he's producing on the season so Leonard Fournette another good game last week 131 yards against said Bengals. Um, Only slight concern for me when it comes to Fournette he's despite 715 yards on the ground now for the season he still has only found the end zone once and was obviously held on a um, fourth and goal from the one last week. Um, the Jets' defence is actually excellent against the run, and you know it's actually the second best in terms of yards per carry allowed, only giving up 3.3 yards per carry on the season. And I mentioned when I took you through Monday Night Football that the Patriots' offence struggled. Again, you know when it comes to rushing on Monday night, the Jets' defence only surrendered 74 yards on 34 carries. So this unit, despite that scoreline Monday night, actually played pretty well. The game was lost by the offence, as we alluded to. We mentioned about Sam Darnold's horror show, 11 of 32, 86 yards and four interceptions. I agree with your sentiments from earlier, Adam. I think he's good enough that he'll overcome this. And, you know, Bill Belichick and that defence have done just as just as much damage to much more experienced quarterbacks down the years. Um, so I think he will shake it off and I would expect that he will come out and have a much better game here. But as you alluded to, he's against a defence that does get pressure on the quarterback. In fact, over 30% of quarterback dropbacks result in the Jags getting pressure, which is fourth best in the league. Uh, and they've also got to the quarterback and brought him down 21 times. Um, which, you know, again, doesn't really bode well. It almost feels like a carbon copy of the report that I wrote last week when I said about the Jags and their matchup. You know, on paper, they matched up very well against the Bengals last week. They match up very well against the Jets this week. I'd expect them to probably get the job done here. And they're still very much in contention in the AFC South. That division seems to be very tight, potentially going to go right the way down to the window. Um, so it'll be interesting for another team in that conference, and that's the Tennessee Titans. They have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this week. Yeah, this is um, a tough one to 
for me to judge. I've struggled with both of these teams. Uh, the Titans definitely looked better with Tannehill in the centre last week. He took over from Mariota during the Denver game, and this was his first start. He finished with 312 yards, which is probably <laughs> stuff that Mariota can only dream of. Um, he found Corey Davis and AJ Brown for six receptions each. Uh, it looked like Davis was the main target early on, but AJ Brown is just a physical specimen. He's a gigantic man. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he takes the uh, main role eventually. Um, yeah, Corey Davis got a touchdown. It was a tight window throw, one that Mariota would never make for fear of getting intercepted. He likes his no interception stats, um, whereas Tannehill knows that he's got to be aggressive to keep the job, essentially. But the passing game isn't really where the Titans want to be. They want to just carry on running Derek Henry. He finished with 90 yards off 22 attempts at the weekend. Um, I'd imagine that's probably going to be what they're going to try and do in this one. The Bucks, though, do have one of the best run defences in the league. They only gave up, uh, Chris, to Christian McCaffrey, they only gave up 68 yards from 38 attempts in the two games that they've played against him. So they should be able to shut down Derek Henry, which to me gives the Bucks a bit of an advantage here. If they're forcing the Titans to go through the air, the Bucks' air defence, uh, pass defence is not very good, but uh, it's, it, they match up well, essentially. Uh, the Bucks will need Jameis Winston to not turn the ball over like he did uh, in London. Six turnovers, five interceptions from one fumble in that game. He's still three for 400 yards. Admittedly, most of it was in garbage time. Uh, and he does have these big, awful games every now and then. The Titans have got a good defense, but Evans and Godwin should be able to uh, get free. They have been one of the best, well, probably the best past duo in the league this year. Uh, the run game's a bit of a mess for the Bucks as well. I think Ronald Jones is the better of the two, but they keep giving Peyton Barber an annoying amount of the ball. And if they do get down, then Dare Ogumboale, I need to stop trying to guess his name and just say Dare, um, he will get a lot of the play like he did in London. Um, he He's decent enough, but um, yeah, he's not that great. Um, I don't really have a smart-ass... Uh, link to this one so we got bills versus eagles next <laughs> very very smooth mate very smooth well rehearsed <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah yeah bills eagles so bills um, coming in five and one um the eagles obviously got abused by the cowboys last week to drop to three and four on the season and and for the bills for me this is all about their defense third in the league in terms of points per game allowed at just 15.2 and also only giving up the third amount of yards per game at just under 293 per game. And a little bit of a shout here to Tredavious White, finally getting some well-deserved recognition. He was voted the AFC Defensive Player of the Week. Uh, and I certainly know that all of us here at the full 10 yards, we you know often sort of say that he doesn't get the credit he deserves. And, and for me, he's probably one of the top five cornerbacks in the league. Uh, and he's playing his part on what he's turning out to be a very good Bills defensive unit. Uh, the Eagles pretty much self-imploded last week, didn't they? Four turnovers. Um, and that's a story for them, really. Whenever they lose a game, it's not any big secret here. They turn the ball over. Um, so all of their four losses have involved turning the ball over. And Carson Wentz hasn't really got going in the last month, if we're honest. Three of the last four contests, he's, he's actually been limited to less than 200 yards through the air. Um, and again, when you look at this matchup on paper, this doesn't look very favourable. The Bills rank again in the top five of all major pass defence categories. Um, so the Bills looking good, you would suggest, to improve that record. 
usually whenever the Eagles need a big play, it's normally Zach Ertz. He's obviously the favourite target for Carson Wentz, the big tight end across the middle. Um, but that's another area that this Bills defence has been excellent. They've given up the second fewest receptions to tight ends in the league and also the third fewest receiving yards to said position. So they really do stack up excellently here. In terms of the other way around, John Brown continues to be the number one target for the Bills. He's actually only one of two receivers in the league that have got at least 50 yards receiving in every game, uh, which is a little bit surprising. You know, most people could have probably had a good guess at the other one, which is Michael Thomas of the Saints. But I don't think John Brown would have been high on many people's lists entering the season. But he's provided a really good, reliable weapon on the outside uh, for Josh Allen and co. And I fully expect the Bills to continue rolling here. They are, they are quietly moving along. Obviously, we still fully expect the Patriots to be the winners of this division. But, you know, the Bills, for me, are, are almost a shoo-in at this stage for a wild card. Uh, they really are playing some excellent stuff defensively. Uh, and long may it continue, because I, I really like the brand of football that Sean McDermott's playing. I think he's a very underrated coach. I think he's done an excellent job with his squad. You know, and uh, he certainly got them moving in the right direction. Yep. Uh, no clever link for me here either, mate, to be honest. So <laughs> I'll go back to you for the Colts and Broncos. Talking about, talking about moving in the right direction. The, the Indianapolis Colts, um, they took control of the um, FC South at the weekend, beating the Texans, uh, which you obviously talked about. They do want to control the ball as well. They want to control the clock, control the ball. They want to use Marlon Mack a lot and... They, while they didn't manage it, manage to do that really at the weekend. I think that's why they'll go this week against the Denver team, who are one of the worst in the league in run defense. Um, they should be able to do a fairly decent job of it uh, in the passing game. They got T.Y. Hilton, obviously, is the main man. He's on fire this year. He's, I don't think he's ever had over seven touchdowns in a season, um, and he's already on nearly that this but this year. I'll double check while I'm talking. Um, other than him, apparently, there's a guy called Zach Pascal who um, seems to be putting up some numbers. It's a name that I, I recognise from 20-1 to 1 bets last year, but yeah, he seems to be stepping up as an, as an actual legitimate second choice for them. He had over 100 yards and two touchdowns at the weekend, which was rather impressive. Um, I don't know whether the numbers will keep coming for him, but it's it's, it's pretty interesting that the Colts are that good, uh, uh, especially Frank Reich at, um, at the head, is that good that he's making this guy into um, a possible possible thing. Um, yeah, the, the tight ends are obviously Ebon and Doyle there. They keep the ball moving, but they kind of take away from each other. Ebon had one of the best catches of the season at the weekend for a touchdown. Uh, the Denver side is pretty horrible, to be honest. They took nine sacks last week, last week and could not move the ball at all. It was a horrendous game to watch um it's not all on Joe Flacco but he doesn't help things he's not exactly mobile he's got a decent arm on him that's about it obviously they got rid of Emmanuel Sanders in the week so Corlin Sutton will have to step up now he's had a good season himself other than that you've got Deshaun Hamilton who will probably be in the slot he has not done much this year but he's now going to be the wide receiver too and then possibly likes of Tim Patrick and Jeff Hoyerman and randoms like that. It's, it's really a bit of a mess. Uh, the running game for them is a shared backfield. You've got Philip Lindsay, who is probably the better rusher, uh, the better pass catcher, although Royce Freeman seems to be getting more of the ball than Lindsay does. 
Uh, it's a fact this year that when Freeman gets more of the ball, they lose. When Lindsay gets more of the ball, they win. I don't know which way it's correlated, whether it's because they're winning, they give Lindsay the ball more, or the other way around. Um, but that's the way it has been, really. Um, so, yeah, Denver obviously have not been in good form. The Colts should win this one at home. I'd be surprised if they don't. And there should be another home win coming in your next game, the Saints versus the Cardinals. Yeah, you'd certainly think so. I seem to always draw the Cardinals on these podcast uh, preview shows and the Cardinals are on the back of three straight wins going into the Superdome. Uh, and, and again, you know, level of competition aside, one of the key differences here is the fact that Kyler Murray has been kept up right the past few weeks. He's been sacked 23 times on the season, but only three of those have come in those last three contests. Uh, and it's amazing what difference it makes if you offer your quarterback protection. I know it's not anything there that's exactly, um, you know, world-beating in terms of a strategy. But ultimately, if you can win that battle up front, give your quarterback time, things positively can happen. Uh, he looks to stay in the pocket, which is what I like about him. He uses his legs sparingly, but when he needs to, he's very mobile. He's averaging 38 yards rushing per game, uh, but I think he possibly may well need a little bit more than that this weekend uh, because he's going up here against the defence that he's limiting opponents to less than 257 yards a game over the past four contests. It's very good on third down, and for me, you know, I've said it now for a few weeks, this New Orleans Saints team, for me, is the class of the league. It is, you know, for me, the most complete team on both sides of the ball. Um, and they've got very much a next-man-up philosophy. We've talked in depth about Teddy Bridgewater and the job that he's done coming in for Drew Brees. Debate this week whether it will be Brees or Bridgewater behind centre. Uh, for me, I would stick with Teddy. Um, I'll give Brees another week because they're on bye next week to get completely yep. healed up. Uh, and I think Bridgewater's got more than enough to get the job done. But to just further emphasise the point of this being a next-man-up unit, Alvin Kamara, obviously down last week. He's still classed as day-to-day by Sean Payton in terms of whether he will go this week. Latavius Murray steps in last week, 119 yards off 27 carries, a couple of touchdowns, and also provided some um, receptions out the backfield as well, five for 31 yards. For me, this is a team that he's just built to win. Um, Sean Payton, for me, is an excellent coach, and I fully expect the Saints will go on to record another victory here and bring that Cardinals winning streak to an end. But hopefully, it should be an entertaining game. I would imagine Colin Murray will make his share of plays. But I think ultimately, the Saints will have more than enough. That concludes your early window of games. Quite a few on the slate this week. Um, One thing I didn't mention at the start is there are actually only two teams that are on by this week. That is the Baltimore Ravens and the Dallas Cowboys. So there's a full 15 games on the schedule. We've got a few more to come and we'll get to those as we enter fourth down. Fourth down. Yes, fourth down then, ladies and gents, and just a few more games to get you wrapped up for the week as we move into the late window. And the one that most of you will hopefully get the opportunity to see will be that Sky Sports matchup between the Carolina Panthers and the San Francisco 49ers. So, Adam, over to you, my friend. Yeah, Sky have picked a good one this weekend. This is probably game of the weekend. Should be a really, really good game. The unbeaten San Francisco 49ers after their best start since 1990. They're taking on the 4-2 and two Panthers, who have won all their games since Kyle Allen took over at quarterback. Um, this is actually a really good matchup for the 49ers. 
They are the best, well, one of the best running teams in the league, if not the best, um, annoyingly. Can't remember the top of my head. Um, yeah, the Panthers are number 30 uh, in rush DVOA against, well, obviously against the rush, uh, number three against the pass. So, like I say, it matches up really well for Breeder, Coleman, Mustard, anyone else who's going to be running the ball for the 49ers. That's what they want to do. That's what they should be able to do in this game. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's pretty much all they do. They obviously signed Emmanuel Sanders, which we mentioned earlier. I think there's a chance he does go straight in as the number one. Um, I don't know where I got that he's worked with Shanahan before. I He was only in Pittsburgh and Denver. I don't know whether it's because Shanahan, Shanahan Sr. was at Denver. Oh, I can't remember, but I know that Carl Shanahan has been a big fan of Sanders all his career. Um, yeah, the, the passing game for them. Dante Pettis, Debo Samuel, Marquise Goodwin, Kendrick Bourne. They've all added in bits, but none of them have really taken the opportunities they've been given. Uh, George Kittle's the main target there still, although he's not been scoring many touchdowns this year. Uh, the Carolina side of the ball, they do have Carl Allen under center. He hasn't thrown an interception, but he has fumbled six times, and he is going to be under a lot of pressure this week from Bosa, uh, Armstead, Buckner, on that uh, defensive front for the... 49ers, 49ers have got 20 sacks this year. Uh, Carolina, though, have 27 sacks this year. They lead the league, lead the league in sacks with uh, Shaq Griffin, one of the, well, still, I think, the leading sack taker, sack maker. Um, but, yeah, the Carolina offense runs pretty much through Christian McCaffrey, which is going to be a bit of a struggle because the um, 49ers are very good through against the run as well. They're number 12 against the run, but obviously McCaffrey can do it all the way around, and we've seen this season some of the things he do, he does no one else in the league can do. Uh, if they do have to pass it to anyone other than him, then you're looking at Greg Olson, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel. They've all had fairly decent games. Samuel had a two-touchdown game against the Bucks last week. Um, DJ Moore is generally the more targeted, so it's it's a very limited attack for the Panthers. I do think they're a decent enough team. They have a very good defense on the whole as I say other than <clears throat> other than not doing very well against the runs so far they have been giving up 199 yards so I think it matches up well for the 49ers I think the 49ers will win go to 7-0 and um, and join the Patriots on that record yeah and I think there's every chance the Patriots may well improve that record even more this weekend which pains me to say because it's obviously against the two and four Cleveland Browns fresh off their bye week and as a Browns fan it's safe to say it's been disappointing and as much as anything it's just been really inconsistent play and that's no surprise when you look at the offensive rankings of the Browns and they are middle of the pack in pretty much every category. Uh, they certainly haven't been helped by a third worst in the NFL total of 15 drops. And although Baker Mayfield has thrown 11 interceptions, I've counted at least six, possibly seven, that have deflected off receivers' hands. They obviously all go down against the quarterback, which is fair enough. Um, but obviously that offense really needs to find some identity in the second half of the season, as I alluded to a couple of weeks ago. And Mayfield is a little bit of a gunslinger. He's thrown one pick in every single game this year. Um, so, obviously, for the Browns to have any opportunity, they're obviously going to need to limit that this weekend. And, unfortunately, as I alluded to earlier, they're going against the Patriots defence that is playing just some absolutely phenomenal football. They lead the league with 18 interceptions. The next best in the league is the Panthers, who sit with nine. 
that just goes to show you the level of play that he's being produced here when they are doubling the output of the next best team in terms of turning the ball over. So not a great matchup here for the Browns. A few positives for them, though. They are still averaging the second best in the league, 13.4 yards per catch made. Um, and Miles Garrett is still a beast on the defensive line. Um, he ties the league lead with nine sacks. Um, but unfortunately, we've seen this before when it comes to Bill Belichick. I'm sure he will have a plan to limit the amount of impact that Garrett has on this game. And I imagine that will be Tom Brady getting the ball out relatively quickly. I can see quite a lot of production here for the likes of James White out of the backfield. The Browns seem to struggle defending laterally from the backfield. And the 49ers ran a mock a few weeks back. And I'd imagine it could be a similar thing here. Uh, we obviously mentioned earlier in the podcast around Mohamed Sanu. He's obviously expected to suit up for the Patriots this week uh, for his first game with Tom Brady throwing the ball towards him. And, you know, I, I fully expect it to be a Patriots win. I expect them to go out now. I suppose if I was looking for any crumb of comfort from a Browns perspective, it's almost a bit of a free hit in that regard. Um, you know, come out, play your best game. A win could absolutely transform the season. I don't see it potentially coming. I'll obviously be rooting for it. But we will wait and see what happens. Um, final game in the late window before we talk about the two primetime games is a couple of teams that need to get uh, into the wing column to get themselves propelled up their respective divisions. So, Adam, last time in terms of the Sunday late slate, over to you, Texans Raiders. Yeah, like you said, the Texans lost to the Colts at the weekend, so they need to keep the pressure up and then hopefully win the return leg against them um, later in the year. Um, they the game turned last weekend on the Watson Hopkins touchdown that he was ruled down on. Whether it would have been given or not, I'm not sure, but that was a turning point. And they 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 moved the ball well enough. It's just that 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 was a bit of a killer for them. They will be without Will Fuller, who is out for at least this week with a hamstring injury. I have a feeling it could be a very long injury for him because he has issues with hamstrings uh, throughout his career. So it means probably more for Kenny Stills. And hopefully more for DeAndre Hopkins down the field. Uh, Hopkins actually had his longest large stay yards of the season at the weekend. Uh, Kenny Stills has been putting up big numbers uh, when Fuller was, even when Fuller was there, he was taking away from Fuller. I think this is actually going to be a pretty balanced attack because they'll have Kiki Kuti underneath uh, playing the slot role. So it should leave them, um, Stills and Hopkins, to do the, the longer stuff. Uh, Hyde and Chudong's Duke Johnson have been doing pretty well out of the backfield for themselves. Um, they, they should do a fairly decent job against the Raiders. The Raiders are giving up the most 20-plus yard receptions in the league so far. Um, so there should be a lot of big plays from Deshaun Watson, who is one of the best, for me, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He's very good to watch. Um, obviously, he can run them in. He's scored quite a few rushing touchdowns this year. And I believe, I'm sure I saw the other day, he's only lost uh, the games that he's lost he's only lost by one score I think that might just be regular season because I seem to remember him losing um getting stuffed in the playoffs but yeah I think that's a pretty an amazing stat he is a born winner uh the Raiders they drafted Josh Jacobs at 24 in the first round last year he is apparently according to PFF the best running back in the league this year he has been very good and some of his cuts last week were just brilliant to watch he was just out there breaking ankles. He is averaging 5.1 yards per carry this year. Uh, and that's mainly in part, or mainly due to 123 yards and 124 yards in the last two games. 
he they've been trying to get him involved more in the passing game or they said they would he's only had three receptions in each of those last two games I would be hoping for a little more from him um and if you're trying to avoid the likes of Whitney Merciless and um JJ Watt then quick passes to um running backs is probably a decent way to go about it they will probably be hoping to get Tyrell Williams back I do not know his health I will admit um because their passing game other than that is pretty much the tight ends Mainly, Davin Waller. He scored his first touchdowns of the season this weekend. He had two. He is on target if you extrapolate his yards, which we all love to do as fantasy football fans. He's on target for 1,293 yards this year, which is um, a pretty incredible amount for a tight end. Him and Foster Moreau both scored at the weekend, and I wouldn't be surprised if they both get a lot more targets in this one. Um, Hard Knocks darling Keelan Doss. They re-signed him after the Antonio Brown farce. Um, he got three out of five at the weekend for 54 yards. I don't know whether he's going to be a big part of the future plans for this team, to be honest, but he is one of the few recognizable names on the wide receiver roster. Hunter Renfro, the wide receiver rookie, is one of the other ones. Um, so, yeah, this should be a fairly decent game to watch as well. I think it's probably going to be quite high scoring because the Texans and Raiders both a couple balls to give up pretty big plays. Um, obviously, I'm going to take the Texans home. I think they're the far better team. And just hoping for a big game from Hopkins, who was drafted fairly highly in most of my fantasy drafts. Um, so, yeah, fingers crossed. Should be a decent one. Yeah, I'm sure it will be, mate. And hopefully the most decent of all is left for Sunday night football, which, you know, certainly on paper is the game of the week here. We've got the six and one Packers going into Arrowhead to take on the five and two Chiefs. And essentially the question on this one now is watch the injury report this week. We all ex- we all expected and assumed this was going to be Matt Moore under centre. Um, but Pat Mahomes, for some miraculous reason, managed to find the practice field yesterday. So check on his status. Um, regardless of who does play quarterback for the Chiefs, it doesn't change the weapons that are available here. You know, they have a very balanced offence. They've got playmakers in all the key positions with Shady McCoy, Travis Kelsey, Tory Kill, and all. And as we've alluded to, it's not the offence that's the problem here. They still are averaging nearly 29 points a game, still getting over 400 yards per game in terms of total offence. And one stat that I really enjoyed reading is that they've actually scored on 47.9% of all of their drives this year. Um, so if you are the punter for the Kansas City Chiefs, you are stealing a living, my friend. Um, the Chiefs, defensively, big game last week, nine sacks against the Broncos. But the Packers have, have developed themselves a pretty nice offensive line. They rank in the top 10 in terms of pass protection. And they were one of the big reasons behind the career day that Aaron Rodgers had last week. It was actually the first time ever in his career that he finished a game with a perfect passer rating. Uh, he was exceptional last week. And, you know, as we alluded to on Monday, throwing to essentially a bunch of no names. A name to watch out for this week may well be Aaron Jones. He had a big day against the Cowboys a couple of weeks back, and you would expect that he will probably get some more production in this one. We know the Achilles heel of that Chiefs defense is the run game. So I would expect him to get fed the ball a little bit more often this week. I think whoever plays quarterback for the Chiefs, this has the potential to be an excellent game. The Packers are red hot. Chiefs, obviously, off the back of two straight defeats. They will obviously get a boost if Mahomes does make the line-up. Uh, but it's getting to the stage where, when we talk about first-round boys, 
every every game that goes by and the Chiefs don't get back into that win column, it is going to prove costly. I'd fully expect they're still going to be comfortable enough in the division to make the postseason come the end of the season. Uh, but obviously, a win would do them the power of good. Excellent game to look forward to, to round off the week. And Adam, I'm conscious of time, mate. We've, we've been on this pod for nearly an hour. Do we need to say an awful lot about Monday Night Football other than it stinks just to round off the week? No, obviously, neither of us really like talking about the Steelers. They're, um, they're the Steelers. And, and the Dolphins, is it really worth talking about? Uh, yeah, uh, Steelers 14-point favourites. Like I say, these primetime games have just been farcical, really. 17 points and 14-point favourites in the games. Uh, Devontae Parker's got three in a row. Uh, Dolphins actually won the stats against the Bills. Uh, Fitzmagic looked pretty good. He ran one in, smashed through a defensive back, which was quite entertaining. Preston Williams has looked fairly decent. Mark Walton is probably the lead back there now with... Um, <laughs> I've got Balage written as something different here. He's uh, seemingly taking the goal line. Goal line action off him, which is annoying. Steelers are coming off a bye. They should have Mason Rudolph back after that vicious um, injury that he took. Uh, the running game's probably James Conner, but he has been injured as well. I assume he'll be back. If not, it'll be Benny Snell. Um, will they be able to get Juju working? I t- who knows? Will they just keep on playing a load of Wildcat? I mean, they lost their other quarterback, Jalen Samuel. He won't be back. Oh, obviously, he's the running back, but um, he was pretty much playing quarterback for them. Vance McDonald should be back for them at tight end. They do have a fairly decent defense. Um, they've been rushing their passer a heck of a lot as well. TJ Watt and um, his buddies there have been doing really well. They're very good versus the run, but I, there's no way I'm watching any of this. First of all, it's the Steelers. Second of all, it should be a blowout. I, I would imagine it'd be fairly low scoring, probably quite a few turnovers. Fitzmagic is prone to those every now and then and it is a very good defense um yeah that's that's probably two minutes more than we needed to talk about that game so we're all good yeah not the best one to close out the week but obviously if you're a fan of either of those sides i'm sure that you may well stay up monday good luck to you if you decide to do so that is the full week slate uh, as i said only those couple of teams on the boy so quite a lot to get our teeth into there thank you if you are stuck around with us and you'll all be pleased to know that we have reached the two-minute warning. That's the two-minute warning. Adam, that's our cue to get out of here and get things wrapped up. So before we do that, mate, obviously you are likely to be back between areas on the weekend with your betting podcast with Tim. Um, but where can people get to see more of your content, my friend? Yeah, I do a little bit pretty much everywhere nowadays. I do a little bit for Mr. Fix-It Tips. I do a little bit for Sportsbook Review, which is American-based, so that's quite exciting. But my main stuff, my main passion is touchdowntips.com, tdtips.com, and at touchdowntips on Twitter. Um, I, like Sean said, if you listen to the betting pods that me and Tim do on the weekends, then you'll know where to find me. But yeah, do enjoy that stuff. I do a preview for every single game, every single week. Possibly not this weekend because I'll be drunk slash tired slash asleep slash watching the game. So we'll see what happens this week, but I'll be able to get something out for everyone. So yeah, tdtips.com, at Touchdown Tips on Twitter. Brilliant, mate. And obviously, just in terms of us at the full 10 yards, plenty of content as usual will be coming your way. So said betting will be with you over the weekend. Obviously, the guys from Fancy, there'll be plenty of articles coming your way to get your lineup set, ready for week eight. And obviously, as we move towards the playoff stretch of Fancy football and plenty of boys coming over the next few weeks, 
keep your eye on that waiver wire and trade targets that you can get to. Big thanks once again to Lee from college coming on earlier to tackle the full 10 questions. He and the boys doing a stellar job there. Another weekend of college action just around the corner also. So plenty going on here um, and we'll also be touching a little bit on XFL uh, as that has had its draft and that's in the books. I'm working on something there so that will be up for your viewing pleasure in the non-too-distant future. Uh, but that brings us to the end of another podcast. Been great fun. Adam, thanks once again, mate, for stepping in at short notice. Much appreciated, my friend. No problem. Really enjoyed it. Thank you, Sean. Excellent. Right, so for all of our listeners, the moment has come where I have to end the podcast in the only way that we can end one of these full 10 yards podcasts. And that, of course, is in the great words of Kevin Cadle, where we say a bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. for listening to the full 10 yards podcast follow us on facebook or twitter at full 10 yards or email the show full 10 yards at gmail.com